God's call to us is to be disciples who make disciples. In this story, Barnabas invites Saul to go with him and help make disciples, to, to be a part of the leadership. And, and Paul already knew how to be a disciple. He had lived his whole life as a faithful, um, a faithful Jew following in the ways of Torah. He just shifted that a little as he experienced Jesus. So we are called to be disciples who make disciples, okay? So how do you be a disciple? How do you all be a disciple? You learn, you teach, that's how you make disciples, but, but it also helps you to be a disciple. I'm sorry, what? Pray and obey, okay? How else do you live out being a disciple? Do what? Be a good example? Be an example. By serve, love. Okay. Those are all part of this. What are you doing right now? Worship. How is that part of being a disciple? When, when we give, when we sing, when we pray, when we recite the faith, all of that is is a part of reorienting your life around God's kingdom ways instead of other kingdom ways? Did you know that there are other kingdom ways that we are immersed in every day? The one who dies with the most toys wins, right? You've got to fight for your right to... I knew that one wouldn't hit as hard here. Party would be the, the, the word from the Beastie Boys... I'm so disappointed, Vivian, that you weren't a Beastie Boys rap fan. This is, I'm just going to go cry. <laughs> Don't trust anyone over 30, right? How many of you, you didn't know that one? Was it 35? Don't trust anyone over 35. You didn't know that one, Melody? You, you didn't? Yeah, because then it became 40 once the people who didn't trust anybody over 35 hit 30. And then it was don't trust anyone over 60 when they became 45. And then it was don't trust anyone who was 70 uh, when they hit 60. And then it was don't trust anyone who's over 95 when they hit 70. And it's don't trust anybody who's dead. Right? That's how that works. We all have, we have all these different forces working around us. We have these spiritual battles that are literally taking place for your heart and mind. And every time you come to worship, you are immersing yourself in this reorienting of yourself into the way of God. That's part of what you do. It is a recommitment, a rededication of yourself, a redeclaration that you belong to God. And not just you, but the belief that everybody else does, even that whatever it was that cut you off that you cussed at the other day. Right? Or that person who voted differently than you. If we want to make it a little more personal. 
my amen jar is buried right now. Thank you. What does it mean to be a disciple? To be a disciple means you practice the faith. Vince Lombardi said, practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. But I disagree. Practice makes habitual. And you, practice makes habitual. It makes a habit that we form. And if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a disciple, you need to practice your faith. And I don't care if you get it perfect. I care that you practice your faith. And I believe God will fill in the rest. I think some of us hold off practicing our faith because we're not sure we're going to get it right. Do you know what I mean? How many of y'all, when you're asked, how many of y'all have dinner with like family? Anybody have family dinners? How many of you, does somebody ask you to pray because you're the one who goes to church? All right. How many of you, when you get to do that, if I was there would go, "Ah!" what if I say the wrong thing? How many of you know when you finish praying, I would say, I'm so proud of them. Right? Practice your faith. Practice makes habitual. A couple weeks ago, Jack Wiggins and Russ Heron and I were at breakfast and, and we were talking and this young lady came up, served us. If you want to see an amazing person who talks about their faith, watch Jack Wiggins. He just, he, he loved this woman. He, he, he asked her name and I'm sure if you asked him today, he would remember her name because he's ridiculous that way. What? It was Jennifer. Impressive. Anyway, sorry. So, so we're, we're having breakfast. And I asked her, we're, we're going to pray. How can I pray for you? And she said, without a, a drop of beat, please pray for my son. He's going through this stuff. She told us where she go, he goes to school. And we realized, you know, I said, well, I'm, I'm the pastor at Christ United Methodist, which is at the 18th and Veterans. And she said, oh, you all just had your trunk or treat. We were there. And Jack says, oh, well, we were the farmers. And she said, you had the pigs. <laughs> if you haven't, it was awesome. And we got to pray with her right there. I have got to say that's the first time I've ever had a prayer with somebody who, uh, a stranger who I had just met, who, who had been at a big event at my church. That was the first time that happened. But you know why that happened? Because I do that on a regular basis. You will have amazing spiritual experiences the more you practice them. You will have, I mean, because it was amazing. I mean, Jack and Russ said it was that, was, that was really cool. It was beautiful getting to pray with this young woman for her son who her heart was breaking for. And to just carry her burden for a little bit and to let her know she wasn't alone in the world. It was beautiful. The reason we had that experience is because we practiced our faith and we practice it regularly. I want for you to have that kind of experience where you get to pray with somebody and it's like, amazing. 
We are called to be disciples. Paul was a disciple, but Paul got in trouble because he was a disciple who invited and tried to recruit other people. We are not only called to be disciples, we are called to be disciples who make disciples. But in order to make disciples, we need to be disciples, which means we need to practice because practice doesn't make perfect, practice makes habitual. How often, we're going to get to that prayer in a moment, so if you would pop it up. There we go. I'll let you read that for a moment. I've had people who've come to me, Pastor, I'm not getting fed anymore here at this church. And I ask them how often they practice their faith. Well, I come to worship every Sunday. So you eat once a week. No wonder you're hungry. Maybe you need to feed yourself in between. See, because what's happening right now in this moment, the preaching event is what I call the baby bird moment. I have chewed up the scripture and I am now vomiting it back on you to nourish your souls for a week. Isn't that beautiful? Now you're going to wear a raincoat to worship, aren't you? If all that you get in your life is regurgitated word, you're going to be hungry. Right? God has called you to be disciples, not just be fed. Thank you. Oof. You saved my, saved it. God has called you to be disciples, not just be fed. But there are times we all get tired. There's times we get distracted. Everything exists to distract. It's okay. But let's get back to it. It's why we come back together to remind ourselves, oh yeah, I need to do this. To encourage one another, to strengthen one another. But there are times we don't do it, right? Would you pray with me? God, forgive me for the times I have let my practice fall by the wayside. when we work with people struggling with substance abuse and they have a relapse, we do not go out and kick the poop out of them. We invite them back. We invite them back to health, back to life. Right? When, when you relapse into the kingdom of this age, away from the kingdom of God, we are not going to come and shame you publicly. We're going to invite you back to life. But I want more for you than just to have life. I want for you to have the joy of bringing other people with you, to recruit other people. So what does it look like to recruit somebody else? What does it look like to recruit somebody else? How many of you know and love somebody who needs a little more hope? (laughs) You got a few right now, right? How many of you know and love somebody who who needs a little bit more joy? A little more peace? Multiple studies have been done, and whatever the faith community, whether it's Christian, Jewish, Buddhist, Muslim, having a supportive community around a young person decreases their risk of suicide, decreases their likeliness of depression, 
increases their experience of quality of life. Having a loving faith and supportive faith community around people who are in the midst of dementia, on the other end of the age spectrum, increases the quality of life, increases joy, decreases anxiety. I believe following Jesus is something that makes our world better. And I believe that we can invite other people to it. Somebody invited you, right? God used somebody to bring you into faith. Who was it? Who was it? Who? Helen. Who else? Parents. Larry Johnson, Walter Mayer, who else? How many of y'all was parents or grandparents? Family brought you in, right? For some of you, it was a pastor. For some of you, it was a friend. Some of you, it was a neighbor. Have you ever thanked God for them? Well, let's thank God for them again. There we go. Thank you, God, for recruiting me for your work. <laughs> Amen. Because when you are recruited into the family of faith, it's not just so you can get fat and happy and go to heaven when you die. That's not what faith is about. It's about living as an example, which you all said, in love. It's about, it's about helping the world be a better place. It's about extending grace. As I said, those two young men from Wabash County, Indiana, went to the recruiters looking for a place to make the world better and ended up becoming these uh, Coast Guardsmen. Very weird. But because they did, they were actually able to tell these young people when they went to the Veterans Day service uh, celebrations at the schools, they, they told them there were other options than just Army, Air Force, Navy, and Marines. As good as those options are, for some people, that wasn't the best option. And these guys made a compelling case. And whenever somebody expressed interest, these two guys would go and take them to get pizza. We don't have pizza, but we do have donuts and coffee. And uh, thank you, John, for picking those up this morning. And uh, thank you, Carol, for making that. And if, if, you, if you know somebody who could use a little bit more joy or purpose or peace in their life, maybe you could invite them to walk with you, with the one who has helped you find some joy and some peace some patience and a little bit of pizza wouldn't hurt right pizza never hurts would you pray with me as you think about those who you are being called to spread your wings over those you are called to protect to encourage like our veterans have protected us like family has encouraged us 
Hold those people in your heart as you pray with me. Holy Spirit, help us recruit people to join us in making your kingdom come and your will be done. Amen. Is that a job worth doing? So what would happen? What would happen if you invited somebody to walk with you? Not necessarily saying bring them to church yet, but just invite them to live life together with you and by your example and your love, share with them the hope that you have, even when everything falls apart and nothing goes right. Let them know that they're loved and that they're not alone. Jesus invited you to follow him, to be a disciple, to make a new disciple, or a hundred, or a thousand. Practice makes habitual. And when you get into the habit of inviting people to walk with you, you'll find it's a great way to live. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for my people. Help us to be a blessing to you as you have been to us. And help us to make new and maturing disciples for Jesus Christ. It's in your name I pray. Amen.